The Pentagon is moving towards letting AI weapons autonomously decide to kill humans. Now, this just might be a, my nightmare coming true, like in real time here. So you have to bear with me as we go through this story here today. But the U.S. is among countries arguing against new laws to regulate AI-controlled killer drones. The U.S., China, and others developing so-called killer robots. Critics are concerned about the development of these machines that can decide to take human lives. Now, these lethal autonomous weapons that can select using AI are being developed by countries including the U.S., China, and Israel. And these killer robots would mark a disturbing development, some critics say, but handling life and death decisions on the battlefield. Now, to discuss this with me today is Chuck Cora, the co-host of the podcast Appalachia. Chuck, how are you doing today? Thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, doing great, despite thinking about our uh, doom scenario here, <laughs> our impending doom at the hands of our own government. But yeah, yeah. Isn't that great. Yeah, I, I mean, this, I, I was saying at the top here, and I'm going to get into this way more as we go on in this conversation here. This just might be like my number one fear when it comes to how will the world end? This one's, this one's kind of teetering on it, but you know, before we dive into any of it, let me just kind of like give a little bit more of like background information here, and then we're going to just dive right into it here. So several governments are lobbying the UN for a binding resolution restricting the use of these AI killer drones. But the US is among a group of nations, including Russia, Australia, and Israel, who are resisting any such move, favoring a non-binding uh, resolution. Now, Alexander Komet, the Austrian's chief negotiator on the issue, said that this is one of the most significant inflection points for our humanity. He said, what's the role of human beings in the use of force? It's an absolutely fundamental security issue, a legal issue, and an ethical issue. Now, Chuck, you know, when we were we were talking to you before we ended up, you know, getting on the air here, and I was asking you, like, you know, what was your first reaction to when you heard this story? So could you just tell everyone a little bit more, like, you know, what exactly was your first reaction when you came across this story? Yeah, so... I think that artificial intelligence in general is a terrifying concept of just because of how dangerous it can be. So imagine that with the world's deadliest weapons. It's horrifying. And the fact that there are countries such as ours uh, that are lobbying against some of these regulatory protections to me is, is absurd. It's insane. And I... It, like we have enough problems in this country with indiscriminately bombing places. And that's just with humans being the operators, even drones. We have enough problems with drones. So okay. think about this in terms of what are quite literally uh, sociopathic machines that have none of the you know shortcomings and imperfections of a human being. And this can take the form, it's not even just robots, it could just be missiles that are uh, AI-controlled missiles. I mean, what what's even the rationale? Like, what what's the guidance that they use to justify firing a weapon, killing someone? All these questions just start floating through my head, and it just makes me think that, that and I'm going to sound like a curmudgeon when I say this, I don't care, AI is accelerating at such a fast pace, we cannot keep up with it. And that's been no. the case for for almost all of technology since the 90s, the internet, everything. It, it's terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. And 
you know, as I was saying in the beginning, like this is my number one issue that's kind of like got me the most afraid about like how the world might end. You know, if you've been following me for a little while here, you've probably heard me talking about my fears of things like, you know, you know, growing up in the 90s, you know, as a kid watching movies like, you know, The Terminator or The Matrix. I've always thought that of all the potential doomsday scenarios, this one felt the most plausible. And we are speeding so fast into this AI revolution that no one's really stopping to do two things. One, asking if all of the convenience that's going to come with the advancements of artificial intelligence, are are we thinking about all of the potential uh, conflicts that might come with it, all of the uh, breaches of privacy? I mean, will these machines be able to be controlled if they become sentience? I mean, what does sentience even really mean? But, you know, also... Are we really prepared for a world in which uh, all of the weapons that we have in our world are going to be underneath the control of essentially another entity, again, that we might not have full control over? I mean, if you're letting a machine make a decision about whether or not to kill someone without any pre-authorization, I mean, that is terrifying. Now, now some people might think to us, to themselves, like, well, you know, that's just going to be used in war, you know, and, and like that's, I mean, that's a separate conversation which i also think is you know there's a lot of like ethical lines being blurred there but there's nothing to yeah. say that these things won't be deployed domestically as well chuck what do you think oh i completely agree it's funny you said prior authorization it just makes me think you know we have more safeguards to somebody getting uh health insurance approval on a procedure than we do bombing people apparently <laughs> when it comes to something like this there's there's this this concept uh, this hypothetical situation called technological singularity and it's basically refers to the point at which technological growth becomes uncontrollable or irreversible, um, and that's talked about a lot with AI and there's some theories that, that we could reach that by like 2030 or 2045, and that's terrifying. So when it comes to something like this, there there are no ethical guidelines yet. There's no ethical guidelines with most things about technology. And that's a huge failure from a policy end and just a huge failure from a moral end. And I don't think there's enough concern around AI in general, but especially when it comes to weapons. And I yeah. always think about this in terms of like, let's just think about it in the context of war and culpability. For example, let's say that we've got AI missiles and and robots that are leading the front lines of wars. You have some sociopathic lunatic like uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, for example, who uses that to bomb and kill more innocent Palestinians. And now he takes his hands up and says, "Oh, what? Uh, uh, I'm not culpable for this. We didn't tell them to do this. This is Raytheon's fault, or this is someone else's fault. We never, right. we never would have authorized this." So not only do you have this death and killing, you have a culpability problem. This this could cause another global war easily. I just this all like every type of doomsday scenario comes to mind with this. And the wild part is none of that is far fetched because we have seen just how much AI has progressed in just the past five years. Take that ten years down the road now, and that's going to be times probably a thousand. Yeah. It, it's it's nuts. It is horrifyingly nuts. And in the hands of the worst people, this will be deadly to more than just people that are targets of war. Right. And I, I know that in, in some sense, 
the move towards you know more automation the move towards ai is inevitable and i don't think that conversations like the ones that we're having today are going to stop it from happening but i think there needs to be I think we need to slow this thing down dramatically and discuss what needs to be put into place in order to keep people safe, in order to make sure that this technology isn't going to be abused, to make sure that, you know, it's not going to have an abundance of human rights, you know, errors being made. Because, you know, some people will think that, oh, well, it's a machine doing this, so there's probably going to be less errors made than a human would. Not necessarily. It depends on how it's programmed to an extent, right? So you can't just assume that things are going to work out the way we want them to once we essentially give over the control to something else. I mean, how was that thing programmed to begin with? You know, but another thing that I came across when I was first seeing this story that really gave me pause was something that was mentioned by the U.S. Secretary of Defense, uh, Kathleen Hicks. You know, she said that AI technology like this, uh, these drone swarms would enable the U.S. to offset the China's People Liberation Army uh, their numerical advantage in weapons and people. She said, we'll counter the PLA's mass with mass of our own, but ours will be harder to plan for, harder to hit, harder to beat. Now, Chuck, this really, this really, you know, like set off the giant red flags for me, because that sounds like someone who's preparing for war with the second biggest country on earth. Now, I know that there's been a lot of tensions rising up with China, but I never thought that we would actually consider a war with China, but, and I'm not saying that that's what the secretary is saying here, but it kind of sounds like that's what the secretary is saying. Am I, am I getting a little off here by being worried about those comments? No, I don't think it's, it's unreasonable to be worried. I, there's so many flaws in that argument. The, the first and probably biggest one being, if you don't think that China is going to get their hands on the same technology and just do the exact same thing, like you are insane. I look, I, you don't need a military background to understand that. And this, that being the biggest justification, Oh, we just, we need more, more bodies, more, more capacity than China. That's a stupid fucking justification for, yeah taking something that is that could become uncontrollable a killing machine technology that could become uncontrollable and proliferating that for the sake of what if that's bad and i just again it comes back to this dilemma of like we need to slow things down and uh, for fear of giving him too much credit, and I'm going to say that I don't know where he stands on this now, but at one point, Elon Musk was raising the issue that we need to put the brakes on AI yeah. and slow things down. And he was called a specious for this, a specious species, someone who values one species over the other, which, okay, like I'm biased towards the human race what? at this point, if it comes <laughs> down... Yeah, this is the type of, of conversations that are happening in a Silicon Valley like circle where oh these people are so disconnected from reality when we're talking about weapons that will make their own decision with who they decide to go after. And, and we're debating, oh, you're biased over the human race versus others. It's ridiculous. I know I'm like going down a rabbit hole, but this is a rabbit hole of problems. And honestly, like, we have failed to regulate properly technology as it stands, like the internet, for example, 
just any type, the internet of things. We have lawmakers that barely know how Gmail works. So now we have this whole plethora of bigger problems with AI and we need people who are crafting real, honest, hard-hitting, and and thorough policies that are going to regulate this kind of thing and make sure that technological singularity doesn't happen. Yeah. And I don't see any real meaningful effort of that happening. And honestly, call me crazy, but I don't have a lot of faith in Congress to be doing anything. So, yeah. Well, you know, as, as time and time again, we have seen it's, you know, Congress just seems to do the bidding of whatever the highest bidder asked them to do, you know, as we have <laughs> essentially, you know, back in the 70s, we have legalized uh, bribery in America in the form of what we refer to as campaign contributions. So it is, it's hard to imagine that they would do something unless they had intense pressure from the public, which is and honestly, is like what I hope that would come if enough people were to learn about what exactly is happening here, you know, and going back to the, your comment about Elon Musk, like, yeah, we've seen Elon have a million bad takes over the over the yeah. last few years here. So it's it's hard to be like, hey, there's this one time where Elon said something really smart. But, you know, if if he's right, he's right. And he was right about hey, that. He was absolutely clock, right man. about that. It, yeah, broken clock. But yeah, I, I think the overall takeaway that I have here is that if we're talking about weapons, like just in, in general, you know, there's a giant conversation in our country almost every few months about uh, about, you know, assault rifles in America and about whether or not people should have access to them. You know, that conversation is cyclical in America. It, it's honestly it's a very similar conversation to a degree. It is. How exactly, like, what exactly are weapons that should be allowed to be just floating around in our in our country in our world? And you know, like, do they have a place? Like, you know, is is it uh, is having them out there like worth? I mean, worth the freedoms that we're giving up? I mean, it's it's in my mind, I'm not opposed to these things existing. It's just a matter of how they exist. How are they being implemented? How are they, you know, like what kind of like safety regulations are being put into place? Do we have guarantees that um, that if something you know, falsy were to happen, that we'd be able to catch it before, you know, there are going to be too many lives lost? You know, that there has to be, I think, just like layers and layers and layers of protocol security, just, you know, double checking like, before these things were to ever hit the streets and to be just out flying around among us. Because if they're just thrown out there all haphazardly, and a bunch of people, you know, lose their lives. And then everyone just throws up their hands and says, oh, it wasn't our fault. Well, that's the scenario that I really just want to avoid. Yeah, absolutely. I, you do get into a tricky scenario of there's going to be at least one country that's going to do this. Yeah. Uh, Russia's probably a pretty safe bet. Uh, yeah. If North Korea could get their hands on it, if Kim, Kim Jong-il or Un, whichever one he is, gets his hands on it you bet your ass he's going to be doing something like this so there's this there's this this challenge of yes we want to make sure that we can combat those threats but boy this is another one of those mutually assured destruction type arguments where there really does have to be some global safeguards in place and i don't know what that looks like truthfully because we don't know what the technology is going to look like here in five ten years and even if like there's 
like, I don't know what you could do. Is there a way to put a safety valve on some of this, an off switch, something like that? I mean, it's just, right. it's terrifying. And I think to your point earlier about Congress and the, the highest bidder, the thing that also gives me a little bit of pessimism, I'm sorry, folks listening, about this is that some of the biggest campaign donors and some of the most successful lobbying operations are with the defense contracting industry. I mean, look, the yeah. Department of Defense is headed by Lloyd Austin, who used to sit on the board of Raytheon, one of the largest defense conglomerates in the world. Yeah. You have interests that are not looking out for the best of us. And all these and again, all these companies are celebrating high returns right now because of the the you know slaughter going on in Israel. So if, if they're able to line their pockets more, you bet your ass they're gonna do it. So that's another concern. And I think that's why you mentioned the public needing to be outraged about this is is one of the only ways that we're gonna see any change on it. And people in the tech sectors that are developing this type of technology there needs to be something happening within that sector where there's some self-regulation. Absolutely. And this is the conversation that as you know, the years go on, I mean, we're going to be having so many more conversations about artificial intelligence, how it's getting rolled out, what it's getting rolled out to do. And, you know, I personally will be coming back again and again and again to, you know, amongst many things, just data privacy, something that we do not have in yeah. this country that we definitely need more of. But, you know, f uh, as far as, you know, today is concerned, Chuck, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about all this with everyone. For those who are interested, where can they find you online? Yeah, you can search Appodlacha, A-P-P-O-D-L-A-C-H-I-A on any social media platform, pretty much, and you'll find us there. And then my personal uh, accounts will be linked on there as well. And then check us out at podlatch.com. Perfect. For those who are interested, those links will be in the episode description. I want to thank Chuck for coming on and having this conversation with me that always kind of gets me a little worked up because of uh, the subject matter. <laughs> uh, for those, you know, for those who have any comments, like, you know, did we get something wrong here? Like, do you have like, maybe some different angles that you can think of that we maybe didn't discuss? Go ahead and drop some comments in the comments section. And we will see you in the next episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for watching this video of Independent Thought. If you liked the conversation, please go ahead and give the video itself a like and be sure to subscribe for future episodes on the channel.